Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy it. we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about Glow, a new show from Netflix about women's wrestling in the 80s. But before we get started with all that, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, what's one piece of pop culture from the 80s that you love? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in the Bay Area, and my favorite piece of 80s pop culture has to be the song Africa by Toto. Yes. Best thing to come out of the 80s. Well, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager from Nashville, Tennessee. And first of all, I have to say I love so much about just the 80s aesthetic. I'm a big fan of just like the 80s as a decade, Um, (laughs) but... It's easily my favorite piece of 80s pop culture is The Breakfast Club. Ooh. Um, it's That's a classic. one of my favorite movies, and it also came out the year my mom graduated high school, so I have sort of a little deep connection to it. Wow. Your mom is super young. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> okay, so, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? The newest Broadway to win a Tony is Dear Evan Hansen. Um, it's written by the same guys who did the music for La La Land, um, and... Usually after the Tonys, I like to go through and listen to a lot of the the Broadway cast recordings um, of a lot of the things that won. Now, musicals like this um, are very different from musicals like Hamilton, where Hamilton is basically the entire show um, as the cast recording, where in most musicals, there's a lot of talking pieces and stuff like that that aren't included. They just include the songs in the cast recording. So what I like to do in these situations is read the Wikipedia summary of the play as I listen to the song. So I'm getting the whole story at once. So that's what I do with this. Um, This is an incredible musical. I really, really love it. Um, Ben Platt, you'll know him from... Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect, yep. So he plays Benji, the weird roommate in Pitch Perfect. Um, He leads this show. He does a brilliant job, brilliant job, of playing the title character, uh, Evan Hansen, um, who's a socially awkward teenager um, just trying to kind of make it in high school and um, kind of his just kind of a a, a journey he has with a um, with kind of dealing with his family and the family of another kid at that school. Um, But I just want to play the kind of the the hit song from that uh, waving through the window. Step out, step out of the sun if you keep getting burned. Step out, step out of the sun because you've learned, because you've learned. I love that song. I've been oh. singing it constantly. Lucas, it sounds so good. <laughs> it's, 
It it really is, and the the rest of the musical is really really fun. Uh, it's, I think it's also an interesting concept. Um, it's about well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say this. It's about him dealing with um, kind of the family of a kid who committed suicide, um, and and just kind of his relationship with that family as well as his. And it's it's I again I haven't seen this play at all. I've just listened to the Broadway cast recording, and it is great. It, the songs are fantastic. Everybody in it um, does is as a remarkable singer, and just really really I think moving songs in there. So. I would check it out. So here's here's my dilemma, Lucas. It's a lifelong dilemma. Is mm-hmm. that I you you know me, I love musicals so yep. much. Um but I have almost never or I very rarely listen to a musical soundtrack without having seen the musical. Either Ooh. a production of it or a movie version of it. Um, Interesting. I just I find it really hard to jump into a soundtrack without having the rest of the play to fill in the story. That's very frustrating for me. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to do it with Hamilton because most of the story is told um, yes. in the music of Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I was able to do that it with Book of Mormon. Um, yep. Yep. But very, I can't think of another time that I've ever just listened to songs from musicals without having seen the production. Mm -hmm. So because of that, there are so many iconic musicals that I'm not familiar with because I've never had an opportunity to see a production of it. So I never just listened to the music. And yeah, I've heard so many great things about this specific production, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really love, what's his name? Is it Ben Splat? Is that his name? Ben Platt. Platt. (laughs) Not Splat. Not Splat. Uh, (laughs) I really love Ben Platt's voice. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very taken by it. And so I want to give this a shot. And your recommendation makes me think that, like, Maybe I can get into it even without having seen a pro- without seeing a production. Yeah, for me, I, I I do think that's a difficulty with a lot of musicals is there's just so much of the story that you're missing if you're just listening to it, which is why I read the plot description on Wikipedia, which probably sure. is not the way anybody would want me to partake in their in their uh, <laughs> their story. production. Yeah. But um, it's the only way I'm going to be able to listen to the album and know what is happening and have any connection to it. Um, so that is something that I have to do. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with it cause I get to, I guess, make up my own version of the play as I go kind of see, you know, what, what's happening on screen or what's happening on stage and that kind of thing is just completely in my head. And, and even the, the script itself is interesting, um, because I am, I'm just getting a, a description and that's it. I only do it for musicals that I'm extremely interested in for the, for the rest. I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm mostly try to see some kind of version of it first, mm-hmm. um, but there's some that I just I feel like I have to I have to listen to, um, so I'll I'll read the plot description. But for this this one really pushed me over the edge watching his Tony's performance as well as watching him perform it um, on SNL. I okay. think it was SNL, maybe huh. Jimmy Fallon, because um, he does. There's a there's a little bit of a, um, a there's a little bit of the scene leading up to it in it as well that uh, gives you some context for the song. Okay, well. I, I definitely need to give it a listen. If I could change anything about our media landscape, it would be um, easier access to musicals, like filmed version of Seriously. musicals. Just yep. because most people can't afford to go to Broadway and see these. Um, <laughs> and even if they eventually do come to the city we live in, they're still incredibly expensive to see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wish musicals were just much more accessible to people. Yeah. Um, and honestly, soundtracks are the best advertising you can get for a musical. Right. Um, and a lot of people aren't going to, to listen to it just because they don't have the context. So This is just out of curiosity, Lucas. Did, have you ever seen um, the movie or production of A Chorus Line? I have not. Okay. No. So A Chorus Line is a musical that I really love, um, but I've only ever seen the movie version of it. And everyone who's anyone has always said that the movie is like horrible. Like people, <laughs> it's like a universally acknowledged. Really? It's like the movie is bad, but oh, it's the only version I've ever seen. So I really like it. <laughs> and I'm just so desperate to see like what a good production of A Chorus Line is supposed to yeah. be like. Well, we got to get one in Nashville then. Yeah, we should. Okay. Well, All you Broadway you. people, uh, you're <laughs> if you're <right>. listening. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Lucas. Um, this week, I am feeling Sofia Coppola's movie, Marie Antoinette. Um, I'd never seen it before this past week. Our local independent theater, The Bell Court, is doing a thing this month where they're showing all of Sofia Coppola's films um, leading up to the premiere of The Beguiled. Um, and so I think they're doing like one a week. And this past week, they were showing Marie Antoinette. Um, I had never seen it, but um, our mutual friend Lindsay had and was going to go see it at the Bell Court. And so she and I went and saw that together. Um, have you seen this movie, Lucas? I have not. No. Okay. You know, it was one of those movies that back when it came out, I was like, oh, I'm not going to see that. You know me. I don't like period pieces. <laughs> now, as like a more evolved individual, I realize that I do like period pieces if they're done very well and stylistically. And um, this was like the perfect period piece for me. I love the way it was shot. I loved the sets and the costumes. The music was, like, the most interesting part of the movie, having, like, modern music um, mm -hmm. against, modern pop music against, like, this um, regal royal setting. Um, and it was just a really fascinating story of um, this central female figure. Um, I grew up reading a lot of, like, historical fiction about real princesses and queens. Um, and so there was like a series called The Royal Diaries, and it was diaries written from the point of view of like famous princesses. And so I read um, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth as she was a young girl, Marie Antoinette, Cleopatra, all these like diaries that I just ate up. Um, so it was so cool to like have that be an important part of my childhood and now to see a film about Marie Antoinette um, as an adult and the lavish lifestyles and the frustrations. And um, I really had a ball with it. Um, That's awesome. It's definitely like, I mean, it's very obviously a story told about like what privilege looks like. It's a, mm -hmm. the, the most iconic version of privilege. These royals that are wasting away the money of their government while the people starve. Um, and so that's important to keep in mind the entire time. But it's also... I think this really beautiful story about like the responsibility of a woman and what it looks like when she tries to uphold those responsibilities and also like throws some of them to the wind. Um, I had a fun time with it. Yeah. I have never been interested in anything Sofia Coppola has done. Um, <laughs> and even, even lost in translation is on my list of movies that I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen. So um, <laughs> I, haven't, 
I've been interested in all of her work, but I haven't actually seen much of her work. The only other thing that I've seen that I can think of is um, I did really love the bling ring. The bling ring I had a ball with. That was the first one that I was slightly interested in. Still didn't see it, but... <laughs> I think you should see it. It's a fun time. Um, I really love The Bling Ring. I loved Marie Antoinette. I'm ex- very excited about The Beguiled. Um, and after seeing Marie Antoinette, I really... There's a fire lit under me. I need to see a lot of her past works that I've always heard are great, but I've never um, taken time to watch, like Lost in Translation, Virgin yeah. Suicide, Somewhere I've Heard is Really Spectacular. Um, yeah, I need to get on the ball. Yeah. Well, when I get around to watching Lost in Translations, I might do a whole just marathon of hers. Okay, good. Well, we can talk about it. (laughs) Sweet. Good. Well, speaking about stories about women, um, Lucas, you and I both watched this season, this first season that was just released this weekend of Glow on Netflix. In fact, you just got finished watching it like a few minutes ago. Yeah, literally watched the last episode just at, right before we started recording. So, okay. so I'm fresh. So, Lucas, this was something you weren't necessarily planning on watching. And then I told you that I had watched it and really enjoyed it. And you decided to give it a go. Um, you were hesitant. Now you've come out on the other end. How are you feeling about this show? I was originally just going to watch the first episode. Um, and then I saw that they were 30 minutes long, which is great. And I, and I was like, okay, (laughs) I'll watch a couple more. We'll see how this goes. Um, and then there are only 10 episodes, which is even better. Um, really tight storytelling and you can just squeeze a lot into five hours, which is awesome. And so I did it. (laughs) I watched the whole thing. Um, Honestly, this didn't actually hook me until the seventh episode. Um, I mean, literally, it obviously did because I kept watching up until the seventh episode. Sure. But, um, like, I wasn't actually into it, into this story um, until then. Um, I think I think a lot of that was the marketing for this. I think a lot of it was the setup for what this show was going to be. Um, I was coming into this thinking this was going to be a show about Allison Bree's character and just about her getting into wrestling. And I, that's really not what the show's about. And we, I mean, honestly, we don't even get a wrestling match until the seventh episode or even like a training montage. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more about just kind of building the relationships of these characters and stuff like that. And it got to the end and I loved it. I, I really do think they did a fantastic job casting. You can tell this is a show run by someone who worked on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of crosstalk there, but I think they pulled a lot of the good stuff from Orange is the New Black. A lot of the things that um, that they learned later, or that they learned in later seasons, and kind of applied that here. Yeah, you know, this is one of the first times I think I've watched a Netflix show. I guess other than Master of None, where I feel like they had the perfect number of episodes. Yeah. So many times with Netflix shows, I feel like they try to put in like four extra episodes that they don't need. Yep. (laughs) Um, And this one, it just felt just right. And so I was really excited about that. Um, I I, I guess we should say we're going to talk about this a little bit without spoilers, and then we'll have a short section at the end where we'll spoil stuff. Um, But I want to say this show 
is so much darker than I thought it was going to be going into it. And that's a really good thing. It's not, um, it does, you shouldn't be scared by me saying that. Um, when I heard about this show, I hear 80s female wrestling. I think neon. I think, you know, like girl power. I, th- I think, you know, women making their way in an industry. And it does have a lot of that. But it also has like a lot of really dark interpersonal relationship drama between friends, between lovers, between family members. I, I was surprised by like some of the depth that it had. Um, it wasn't just um, a comedy about like how silly wrestling is. Um, Mark Marin is starring in this as like the director of the TV show that these women are producing. And um, I have a love hate relationship with Mark Marin. I think he's really smart. Sometimes I've loved his podcast. Other times it's really turned me off um, as a figure. I think he's just kind of elusive, but in this show, I loved watching him. It, I, it was really fun to see him working out someone else's material and a character that he probably has some similarities to. But yeah. It is like, <laughs> but, it's, but he's not just playing himself like he does in his own TV show. Um, right. Or like in his stand-up. It was really fun to see him in this role. Um, I, I really loved that. I also really loved um, Betty Gilpin's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen her in anything before, Lucas. She plays the exact same character in American Gods. Okay. Literally. Literally okay. everything, just about everything that happens to her in this show happens in American Gods. Interesting. <laughs> um, I adored her in this show. I thought her, like, bitterness was very funny. Um, and I, I just, I couldn't, I loved seeing her. Um, I also just want to shout out, um, she wrote a piece for Glamour.com. Um, and it's, the headline is, um, what it's like to have pea-sized confidence with watermelon-sized boobs. And it's about, (laughs) like, what it was like for her to go through puberty and what it's like to, like, be this blonde-haired, big-boobed looking woman with, like, not the confidence to match that. And Mm -hmm. what being on this TV show did for her and her body, um... This is something that, like, a lot of the characters talk about in this show as well, about this participating in wrestling, um, giving these women this ownership over their body um, and making their bodies useful in a way that they're choosing and not in a way that, like, a, um, a, a man that's trying to, like, get their attention wants. Um, I, I've, I was really... Um, moved by her piece i would recommend people read that and i was also really moved at a lot of points in the show where this like um would come up like women reclaiming this independence by um participating in this wrestling with each other um i had a blast with it i think it's funny i think it's um tells like a lot of different stories all at once and i and it handles it um very deftly you know we get a little bit of each girl who is um, participating in this wrestling. Um, we have we obviously have our stars and then our side characters, but each side character gets a little moment of focus um, mm-hmm. that I feel like is just enough. Um, yeah. I think I think one of the things that I, I did want more of is more more backstory on the women and less about 
Allison Brie. I think, and I think most of that comes down to I think the like the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do start this show as if she's the main and only character. Right. Um, and again, I'm gonna bring it back to Orange is the New Black, but it's the same thing um, with Piper going into prison. You have Allison Brie kind of joining this world, and um, the difference is that with Allison Brie's character is she's joining this world for the first time with a bunch of other women who are joining it for the first time, as opposed to being thrown in with um, kind of veterans. And um, I think one of the one of the one of the issues that Orange is the Orange is the New Black had is that they have Piper spend basically the entire time, the entire first season um, being the focus of that show. And here they kind of hand that off pretty quickly um, or I guess spread it around pretty quickly to the rest of the women. Um, But still, I I, I had a hard time with the first two episodes specifically because I was not interested um, in where Alison Brie's character was starting out. Um, I love her arc. Her arc is fantastic. But just where they were starting her, I it did not give me a good view for what the rest of the show was going to be like. <laughs> I really loved her character. Um, what I liked less was a lot of the ways that like the other characters on the show would react to her character. Um, I have a, they do this whole thing throughout this show where they're like, is she hot? I don't know. She's kind of sad looking. And it's like, give me a fucking break. We cannot pretend that Allison Brie is not hot. Okay. Yes. They gave her a bad haircut for this TV show to try to like tone down her hotness, but she's still Allison Brie. Um, so, so that I would roll my eyes at every time it would happen. But, um, Everything that her character is and becomes and the way Alison Brie pl- portrayed this character, I found pretty delightful. I thought it was all great. I just didn't want that to be the main focus of the show. This whole time was her right. transformation among these women. And I, I'm happy that they didn't do that. Like, she does transform. It is great. The whole arc is great. But starting the show thinking I'm just going to spend... 10 episodes with mostly Allison Brie. I did not want. <laughs> oh, I also want to mention, um, I am such a big fan of Chris Lowell. He plays. Oh my gosh. Bash. He's amazing in this. Yes. yes. Have you seen him in other stuff, Lucas? I have not. Okay. I, I didn't want to say he's the breakout star of this show full of women, but, but he was fantastic in this thing. So I'm a long time Chris Lowell fan. Um, okay. Really? He, um, he, I don't remember which he was on first because I don't know if when I watch, you know, like when something aired versus when I watched it. But yeah. I saw him first on Private Practice. He was oh, like wow. the young hot guy on Private Practice. Um, yeah. Loved him there. His, the thing that a lot of people know him from was he was one of the the main love interests on Veronica Mars. Mm. Um, and so he was pretty beloved there as well. And since then, he's just done a lot of random things. He was in The Help. Um, yeah. He was in a show about, like, these brothers that were in the army together. Enlisted, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just been he was doing... in Up in the Air. Yes, he was in Up in the Air. He's done a lot of, All like... things I've seen and haven't remembered him from. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, and... I, I, I've worked with people that like know him. Um, and so I've seen him in like comedy sketches. Um, I just think he's incredibly talented. Oh, actually, here's another thing I know him from. Um, I have seen and really loved his directorial debut. Um, 
he directed this tiny little indie movie a few years ago. And I think it's the only movie he's directed so far um, about like a group of friends in a lake house, like reuniting for a weekend, which is a There's genre. There's so many of those movies. It's a genre that I particularly love. <laughs> and he made a really great one. It has like Beck Bennett in it. Um, oh, nice. And a bunch of other actors that I, I don't remember their names. but Oh, um, man, I love all these people. You've got Ryan Eggold from The Blacklist and Brett Dalton from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they're great people. Um, and so he directed that movie, and um, it's really great. I recommend people checking that out. It's called um, it's called Besides Still Waters, I think. Are you looking at it, Lucas? Yeah, yeah, Besides Still Waters. Okay, yes. Um, so, yeah, people should check that out. But anyway, Chris Lowell, I was so excited to see him pop up in this. And he's so funny and charming um, and lovable. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I was so happy to see him. And there, I should say, I really love this whole cast. Um, those, we've mentioned the people that like we know by name, um, but this whole cast is filled with, introduced me to a lot of actresses that I can't wait to either keep watching in this show or see in other projects. Um, and so I, I don't know all of their names, but pretty much all the women that are the, like the main women, um, I'm excited yeah. to see again. The one I'm hoping this is a good launching pad for, for them. I feel too. like all these people could be in, could do really, really great stuff. Right. Um, I do want, um, what's her name? Brittany Young. Um, the girl who plays, I did not know her name was Carmen Wade. Um, Machu Picchu. Okay. Yes. That girl. Yeah, she was she was she was fantastic. Yeah. and I want her and a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the girls that I did recognize, um, she the girl that played the character Melrose. Um, yeah, she has popped up in a few little things. But the thing that I recognize her from summer of 2011 living in Abilene. It's a hot summer and I get caught on to this really dumb reality show that only lasted one season and it was like jewel was the host of it and what? it was like an Amer a version of american idol ish um but for songwriters not for singers how do i not know about this <laughs> yeah i can't it's that's funny you should know about it but it was not good it was cheesy but i was hooked on it and the thing that got you hooked is that, like, in each episode, they have, to, like, there's multiple original songs written, you know, as part of the competition. And so then they would release those songs on iTunes afterwards. And I became hooked on all of those songs that summer. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, the girl that plays Melrose competed on that show. And she it's was... called Platinum Hit. Yes, Platinum That's Hit. That's the show. She was... Wow. In extremely obnoxious um, on that show. <laughs> but she is, like, the only person from that show that has... Um, as far as I know, maintained like a career, but yeah. as an actress and not as a yeah. songwriter. Yeah. Anyway, um, so it was funny to see her pop up yeah. as well. Um, was there anything you didn't like about this show? Well, I'm not going to say I didn't like this, but I will say, so like a big part of this show is these women discovering um, or being assigned their like wrestling personas. Um, and yeah. because it's set in the eighties, um, and because like it's wrestling, it's a lot of these personas were based on like racial stereotypes. And so, um, 
the one like Indian girl who uh, is not like Arab, but was had like the right skin tone was like portrayed as a terrorist. And the the like large black woman, her character is like called welfare queen. And so hearing having all of those um, like racial characters be built up in the show, um, I'm not going to say that, like, it's a flaw of the shows, but I will say, like, it made me very uncomfortable as, like, a white liberal person in 2017 to, like, see those depicted. And I think the show does a good job of, like, reckoning with those. Um, not, maybe maybe not fully reckoning with them, but yeah. at least, like, touching, <laughs> touching on, like, what's happening here and am I doing the right thing by, like getting myself involved in this. Yeah, I think I think they addressed that a little bit. I wanted them to address it a lot more. <laughs> I would agree, um, yeah. Yeah, I, d- I don't think, especially like near the end of the season, I was hoping that they would kind of come back around to that. But it's kind of addressed a little bit, you know, when, when they're getting assigned personas and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I wished that it'd come back around at the end. Yeah, it, it sort of did, like very slightly at the end. Um, there's not really resolution with it, but they do yeah. like touch on it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer would be on how to like resolve that, but I'm not the artist that has to try to right. that answer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that would be the one thing that every time it would come on screen, I'd be like, Oh, I hate having to watch this, you know, I this know, part yeah. of it. Um, yep. but I do believe that this is like what happened. I know that this is somewhat based on a true story, Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't researched to like what level. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously like it is a product of its time. Um, but I think you're, like you said, there's like a need to really deal with that in a yeah. responsible and, way. And I get that that, yeah, that is something that would have happened, but, um, and did happen. But I, I, yeah, I feel like in, in this light, in this culture, that is also something that you need to address because address, yeah. cause it was something that, was addressed privately by those people. Right. Um, so if you can address that on the show as well, right. that'd be great. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about before we talk about spoilers? No, let's jump in. Okay, great. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. The first episode... I thought was ended on such an amazing note to have like that conflict of these two best friends, like coming to terms with this betrayal, like right from the get go was really exciting to me. Um, I was really glad that we didn't have to like have that secret drawn out for the whole season. Seriously. Yeah. I, I really thought that was going to be like a whole season arc thing that I was not going to be into at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her, her cheating on her best friends on her, her cheating with her best friend's husband, I think is something that um, could have been like one of the big dramas in the season. Right. Um, and instead you get the drama of them having to deal with each other in this job. Yeah. Post, like after that. That is such a more interesting storyline than oh, anything yeah, else definitely. Of, like, regarding like um, cheating that we've seen before. And mm-hmm. I like, you know, they didn't like. Except in American Gods. We've seen it in American Gods. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> you know, I like that they didn't like um, not look, examine um 
the relationship. I, I'm blanking on her character, Betty Gilpin's character's name. Um, what is it? Mm. I, I know her wrestling name is Liberty Bell. I know, right? That's what I was going to say. Um, not Ruth, but... It's Debbie. Debbie. Right? Thank you. Um, so we we do have moments like where we see Debbie and her husband like reckoning with this affair. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that the main story was about Debbie and Ruth reckoning with it. Um, because, I, you know, maybe this is me being biased because I've never been married. But to me, in a situation like that, I think having losing your best friend can almost be harder than losing your husband. Um, and again, who, who am I to say that? But that is something that I would feel just like a best friend is someone that like you really do have so much trust in and, um, to lose both is like incredibly hard. And, um, I thought this show like really did a great job of showing Debbie's like anger and like depression and, um, bitterness and playing that for like emotional truth, but also for Mm -hmm. comedy. Um, yeah. Like, her, her pissed off was fun to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think this is something that we we get to see. Like we get to see um, kind of the aftermath with spouses dealing with with this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but we don't get ever get to see what it's like to be a friend in that relationship um, and be a friend who was involved in that kind of um, cheating incident and and what that does to a friendship. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the level of uh, which is worse, but it's not something we see. We only right. see the other side of it usually. So, um, yeah, a much more interesting decision. At the, at the first episode when she flips the keychain over and we see that it's him. Yeah. I, I, I was, one, I was pissed because I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want this to be that kind of show. Um, but two, I never expected them to have to work through it. Yeah. Like in my mind, that was never something that was going to have to happen on the show where I knew that this the spouse team was going to have to talk about it. But I never thought that it was actually going to have to be a conversation between these two women, um, just basically based on prior things that I've watched. So, yeah, it's cool to see. It was also cool because, you know, I hadn't seen a ton of marketing for this show before watching it. And so yeah. I knew Allison Brie was the star of it. But like. During that first episode, you don't know that Betty Gilpin is going to be a big star in this show. No, you no, yeah. You think she's just going to be, like, the friend character. And then yep. all of a sudden, she it's just as much her story. Um, that was a really exciting twist. Um, I also, there are so many individual beats in this show that just, like, really warm my heart. Like, all of the stuff with... Um, the Sheila character mm-hmm. um, I thought was like handled in such a beautiful like loving way yeah I thought she was going to be just like a comedy character again this first episode does not do any favors for telling you what this show is going to be about yeah um, but I yeah, they, I feel like they were kind of setting her up to be a comedy character um, just kind of the funny weird one in the group right um but really, yeah, they give her a lot of emotional pull and a lot of, um, not backstory, but I think um, a lot of motivation for that character. Yeah. Yeah, that that episode where she had a lot of focus really, like, meant a lot mm-hmm. to me. Um, the, 
Um, I really was fond of the dynamic between um, the the Machu Picchu character and Bash. Um, yes. They're like friendship with each other was um just so delightful to watch (laughs) Um, i know (laughs) they just had such a great chemistry and like i just they really just seemed to care so much about each other and like each other's um like self-esteem and i I was very moved by that yeah Um, i felt the same thing between um justine and I don't remember the Indian character's name, but those two, oh, the yes. roommates. Beirut. I, again, I just know their wrestling names. I know, right? They're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Between her and Beirut, I thought was hilarious. And just like that. Well, I like, <laughs> I I love their dynamic, but I, I also wanted more from Beirut. Like I wanted to yeah. know more about her. Like, and I, I, I feel like the only coming back to the stereotypes, like the only thing that we got, um, to kind of counteract those was like, oh, she's, you know, she's Indian and they're portraying her as a terrorist or whatever, but she is in med school right now. So she's always studying for medical exams. And um, the lady who plays welfare queen has a son who's at Stanford, but we don't actually dive into their lives at all. We just get kind of these little snippets that are, um, that tell, that, that tell you that they're, they're, they're going against stereotype. Um, Something, I don't know if you picked up on this Lucas, but that I read, um, today is the actress that played, um, again, I don't know that uh, other than the wrestling name, fortune cookie, the, the Cambodian character, mm-hmm. um, Ellen Wong. Yes. She, um, is from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, that's, I, I had to look her up when she came on screen cause I was like, I know I've seen her in something. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, the whole time we were watching it, um, the the British girl, I was like, oh, you're so familiar to me. Like, where have I seen you? And it's like, because you're Kate Nash. You're like, yeah, that's a Kate Nash. Big singer. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was so fun. Um, and I also found out that um, the actress playing the the welfare queen wrestler um, is a wrestler. Like, she is oh, an really? actual women's wrestler. Um, that they got for this show oh Um, wow and that she was like a big part of like training all of these actresses well that's cool yeah um yeah i was really excited to see that that they brought someone from the actual women's wrestling world um to be a part of this show because wrestlers are actors and it makes it just makes sense that they would be as good of actors as you know any other person that they brought onto the TV show. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, why do you think we have The Rock? Right, exactly. Um, what did you think of the storyline between Justine and Sam, Mark's, Mark Maron's character? I'm interested to see where it goes in season two, but I, like as a story in itself, I felt like it was kind of ham-fisted at the end. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like there was a lot of build-up to it or a lot of interesting things that happened to kind of... I think ground that um, the, us finding out that she was his daughter doesn't tell us anything about um, anything that she's done beforehand. Like we, we know, we know she was very interested in him. We thought it was in a possibly like romantic, like infatuation kind of situation, but it's just because she's his daughter, but we didn't actually, she didn't actually do anything that didn't make sense before that now makes sense. So I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't very interested in that storyline, but I will say, I think the whole thing became worth it for me 
because I laughed so hard <laughs> at the joke at the end where she goes, want to make yeah. out some more? <laughs> yeah. That is a perfect, funny, jo- dark, like, joke for the show. Yeah. Um, that really made, like, the whole storyline worth it. I died oh, laughing at that. <laughs> Ugh. I do. I do. Like, I, I think that relationship is really interesting and I think it can go cool places in season two but if that had come out earlier and we'd gotten to explore that kind of on the back end now um I would have liked it more yeah I am very interested if they get a season two to see how the relationship between Sam and Ruth develops um, yeah, there, yeah. there wasn't anything like explicitly romantic happening between the two of them this season, but you could see them building that connection between the two of, between each other. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that develops into something more in a, in the next season. Mm. I just saw it as a friendship because he's never had a female friend before, but <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciated that that's all it was this first season. I think it would yeah. have been like much too fast to try to develop anything else that was yeah. meaningful and not just, you know, like a fun, like sexual thing that they did. Right. Um, but uh, I really loved the moments between each of them and how they're both a little like, oh, he's so um, cynical and she has this kind of optimism that, sh- that people find a little obnoxious and how yeah. those two things play off of each other. Um, yeah, they're both also kind of just like messed up people in different ways that I think um, they find, you know, that they have in common. And um, I really the the abortion clinic scene, I thought was really beautifully handled. Um, and that. Yeah, I liked I liked how they kind of, I guess, not built a relationship, but I think like took their relationship to a whole nother level and we got to explore some interesting things between them yeah. during that scene. Yeah. It, it was really, really, really well done. Yeah. And because of like a scene like that, um, her being involved at the end when he finds out that he has a daughter and her like pushing him to like go fight for that relationship made all the sense because they had done some like emotional work earlier on in the season. Um, mm-hmm. They yep. like already built that up. Um, yep. I'm trying to think of anything else that really stood out to me. Uh, mostly, I also laughed at like all of the Reagan references. Yeah, were there um, too many '80s references? Uh, uh, not for me. I love the I I love the '80s aesthetically, and so was it too on the nose though. A lot of things they were saying, I felt I felt like there were a couple things I was like, okay, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I loved it. Um, the Back to the Future joke, though, was hilarious it, that this whole time, this screenplay that he's written, yeah. once he tells the story, it turns out to be Back to the Future. Right. And it just came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, I I loved the costuming. Um, it It is so bizarre to see, like, those leotards and to know that that oh, was, yeah. like, a mainstay of, like, workout yeah. outfits. Yeah. Yep. Um. It's wild that that is like a real thing that the people wore, <laughs> um, <laughs> but fun to watch. Um, yep. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that you watched it, Lucas. I had such a fun time with this show and um, I'm recommending it to like everyone I talk to as like, it's such a good fun time and you're going to blaze through it, which you obviously oh, did. Yeah. Yep. Push through the first couple episodes. That's what yeah. I'll say. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I think the first episode really grabs me because of that ending. Um, and then, like you said, I think it, it gets best in those final episodes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Alrighty. Definitely. Well, I'm glad that we watched that. Um, me too. If you watch Glow and you want to talk to us about it, you can do that on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at feelingitpod. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. But let's be real here. I run our social media and I hate... Wait, are we on Instagram? Well, here, I'm getting to it. So here's okay. the thing. Okay. <laughs> I run our social media and I really hate Facebook. So I don't often post stuff there. So I always forget to post stuff on our Facebook account. We have an Instagram account that we haven't been using, but I kind of want to get us started using there. So here's how anyone who listens to us can be really helpful. If you're like most active on a certain platform and like you want to hear about episode updates on like that platform, let us know what it is and we'll be more active on that platform. So I am super curious what people are using these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, we, I think both of us mostly use Twitter. Um, yes. For especially for updates about stuff like this, but I see a lot of podcasts are pretty active on Instagram, and we can be too. There's nothing stopping us except for my apathy. So <laughs> get me interested is what I'm saying. Oh man. <laughs> um, yeah. So let us know where you like to see updates online. Um, we'll be active in those places and just like chat us up. You can also find all my personal um, social media accounts at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And I'm Lucas Wright. And you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 